0: Welcome back to the Prove Me Wrong Podcast. This is episode five. We're like in kindergarten. We're growing up. Five episodes. We're on our way. I don't know if any of you guys are fans of the Chris D'Elia podcast. Um, congratulations, Pod. He just had a special coming out on Netflix. It's a podcast I have got into about three or four months ago when it first started. <laughs> and he always starts his podcast and he calls all of his uh, listeners his babies. Oh, my baby's this, my baby's that. I I think that's what I'm going to have to start calling you guys, just my poppets. I I never know how to start a podcast. And hello, poppets just sounds a lot better than saying, Sup, fam? Hey, what's up, fam? Welcome back, fam. The only time I ever use the term fam is if it's actually family members or if I'm being facetious as fuck. Don't ever say fam and actually mean it. Like, you got to be putting on your bro persona if you're going to be using the word, like, Sofam! If you say that, don't ever mean it. Please, or let it actually be your real family members. But I just got back recently from Texas. I told you guys I was going to be going out there and going to somewhat of a family reunion. Um, There are stories to be told from that. But first, one of the major stories or one of the events I just glossed over in episode four was two weeks ago now. Um, I went to a a festival, I guess you call it. Maybe it's just a two-day concert. Let's call it a two-day concert. I think for it to be a festival, it needs to be like three days or more. Camping must be involved. You can't just drive in in your minivan. So we'll call Arroyo Seco a two-day concert, to which we only went to the second day anyways. Um, It's 115 degrees outside. So literally for the first three hours, me and my buddy Blaine each had like one of like Oh, by the way, if you guys are just listening to this, it's cause I just stopped to make sure we are recording. And yes, we are. There are times of charm. There are times of charm. So unless this gets fucked up, I'm gonna have video of this whole thing. Only took me three tries. But I digress. Um when we were me and my buddy Blaine were sitting in the car, and we had like those bottles that were like, you get the liquor store, like they're bigger than the flask, but they're smaller than a fifth. And we just drank those for like three hours, just sat in the parking lot with the air on, listened to music, and said, fuck this. I'm in that weird stage in my life where I know some bands, we don't know a lot of bands. So most of the bands that were playing there on Sunday, I didn't have a clue who they were. Saturday had Tom Petty, it had... um Oh, what's the name of that damn group? Um, Oh, Alabama Shakes. A couple other groups like that. But Sunday, the main event we wanted to go see was Mumford & Sons, and they went on at, like, I don't know, 9? So why go sit out in the fucking grass for bands you don't know to just sweat your ass off in 115 degrees? So we sat in the truck and we drank for a while. Ended up being a wise decision. You might think, oh, you're going to be too drunk when you go and... It was so fucking hot outside. You know like when you're drinking like in the Vegas pool and you never really feel like you can get drunk. You're just sweating it out as it comes in. Very similar ordeal to go into Arroyo Seco. But as we're sitting in the truck, um, one of the games me and my friends like to play is a little game called Your Team, My Team. Uh, For those of you that don't know what Your Team, My Team is, let let me explain it to you. You know like the show, uh, Whose Line Is It Anyways?, Where the line that Drew Carey always says is like the game where the points are made up and the scores don't matter or whatever it is. That is what your team, my team is. I'll give you a for instance. Um, Let's say you're at Disneyland. Great place to people watch. And you're walking with a group of friends. And if it's your buddies that are next to you, you want to be picking out the opposite sex for either my team or for your team. So, as you're walking through, as the captain of my own team, it is my job to get as many hot chicks on my team and to get as many fat, disgusting, awful human beings on your team. Hey, I get if you're hearing this, you're thinking, oh, you're a prick, man. Okay. But it's just people watching with fake points. Think of it that way. We all do it anyways. Fuck, what does what social media, if it's not half of it, is just sitting there sending screenshots to your friends, talking shit on one of your mutual friends that you just happen to like the picture of anyways. So it's just taking a step further and putting it in 3D. But as we were sitting in this truck, we see this girl behind us. Gets out of the car. Blaine, who is usually awful at your team, my team, sprung into action and called a good one for his team. Or so we thought. So they had us park out on this golf course. And they just like roped off all the greens and the sand. And you just like parked like in the fairways in the rough. But there was, I don't know, thousands of people out there. And the girl right behind us, who Blaine had just called on his team, opens up both car doors. This is about to get interesting. We see her get out, take her shirt off, got her bathing suit underneath. We thought, oh. Ah, maybe this is going to be a changing of the top no not that cool not that lucky in fact it was like the antithesis of the store the scenario that i just laid out for you so here's what happens bling says grayson my team behind i look i see okay Like I said, she then proceeds to open up both car doors and we think she's going to be changing her top. Nope, nope. She then proceeds to take off her bottoms and we go, oh. This is going to be one of those peeing in public moments. This is going to be the pee squat. The squat pee is about to happen. So you see her go below the window line. And then... You look underneath the door and you can see the legs shaking. She probably doesn't do many squats. She was sitting there trying to take a piss. And then you see the stream. You see the stream. So the person that Blaine just called on his team is now just peeing a mere car door away from us. You think that's bad enough? Nope. It continues. As then, Blaine starts going, oh, no. Oh, no. I was worried the car was dying. Maybe we'd ran out of gas just sitting here drinking. Maybe the battery is about to die. And he goes, look, look, look. I peer into the rearview mirror. And then you see another stream. But it is not coming from the same place it was before. No, no. This girl that Blaine, let me just reiterate, had called on his team is now peeing out her butt. I can't make this up. I wish I was lying to you. I wish I didn't have to report this story to you. But this is just precisely how it went down. So just moments prior, I thought Blaine had finally gotten one for his team. I was proud of him. She then proceeds to not only piss but then take a diarrhea shit in between her car doors. And I imagine she didn't know we were sitting there until we got out the truck. I was a little scared walking back after the concert, making sure that we just were able to dodge that spot and get back to the truck. Okay. But in the, the scientific game that is your team, my team be careful because Blaine's team Took a turn for the worst, quickly. Like I said, we'd been doing a little bit of drinking before we went in. But then the concert didn't start for, I don't know, four more hours. And this is like one of those concerts where you can bring in your own seats and blankets. So people are just like already putting shit down. Like they're going to see like Lion King in the Park. You know how you can do that? That's what they're doing, but it's for like Mumford and Sons. And Weezer went on before them and some other acts I didn't know. So we go in there, and then we develop a little bit of a different game. This is a point system game. If you remember back to episode one of the Prove Me Wrong pod, I was talking about the basic bitches in their natural habitat at Coachella. Well, we started talking about that again, and you just see kind of the same things, girls on shoulders, taking Snapchats. So then we kind of created our own little point system game. Like I said, I get if this makes me sound like an asshole, but you guys are doing it already. We just are doing it in the open and with points. But the points don't matter. So one of the things you could get points for is if you saw a girl, we we're going like with like the hipster basic tattoos, like if she had an arrow, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The single arrow, got a little bit of feathers, triangle up at the top, arrowhead. That'd be worth 10 points. If you saw a couple doing, like, the awkward, like, side hold spoon thing, you know, like, not, like, arm up around the shoulders, but, like, down around the waist, five points. If you saw a girl with, like, one of those flower crowns on her head that is very indicative of people that go to Coachella, ten points. But if you happen to see that girl with the flower crown on her head, and then go to Snapchat to then use the flower crown filter with that on top, 50 points. Sorry, I'm looking up some other ones what we had there. Oh, infinity tattoos. If you saw a girl with an infinity tattoo, 10 points. However, you could get an additional five points if in the infinity tattoo it also had a break and then had a Bible verse in there additional five points i'm thinking about selling the rights to these games it'll be like real world shit talking meets bingo you can play with your friends and it doesn't have to be at a concert it can be anywhere hell it could be in church (laughs) as you could smirk as the people that go by that you think are the real heathens You you can play this game anywhere We did upset one chick that was standing next to us and she overheard us playing it. I was like, look, lady, we're making fun of dudes too. Like, if you saw a guy with jeans with sandals on, like, mind you, it's 115 degrees. So if you saw a guy with jeans with sandals on, five points. It should have been like a slap yourself in the face just for having to live through seeing the guy with jeans with sandals on. Fellas, if you're a dude and you wear sandals... I have rules for when you are and are not allowed to wear sandals. This should be self-fucking-explanatory. I've never been able to understand jeans with sandals guy. Number one, fellas, in order for you to be able to wear sandals and for me not to talk shit on you, you must be within a thousand feet of a body of water. I'd like to say it should be a hundred feet, but I know that there's some long beach stretches there. You know, there's a boardwalk. So a thousand feet within a body of water. Why else would you be wearing sandals anywhere? So rule number one, thousand feet away from a body of water. Number two, again, should be self-explanatory. Self-explanatory. It must be in summer. You must... Be in the summer months to be wearing sandals it is not acceptable to be wearing sandals in December you know we all have some of those friends that on the rainy days like oh I'm just gonna wear sandals no it must be in the summer months if you're gonna wear sandals and three and this is the most important one if you're gonna wear sandals it must be with shorts never understood jeans with sandal guy if it's cold enough to wear jeans it's cold enough to wear shoes i can't think of any instance where you would need to be wearing jeans and sandals when does a guy ever thought like ah oh, thank god i had jeans and sandals on last night you know like how there's some nights you go out and you're like glad you brought your jacket because it dipped to be colder than you expected in what scenario would you be like ah oh, my ankles were a little cold? But my feet were just right. You are never allowed to wear jeans with sandals. If you're going to wear sandals, you must be wearing shorts. For you ladies out there listening to this, inform your man. If your man is jeans with sandals guy, you need to put an end to that right now. Do not tolerate that. Do not allow it. Must be within a thousand... feet of a body of water it must be in the summer and you can never wear jeans with sandals those are if you ever watch parks and rec and you know ariel uh, ariel aziz Ansari's character and how he has his oh no no's list very similar you can youtube it look it up tom haveford's oh no no's kind of like the same thing here if you're gonna wear sandals summer thousand feet of a body of water And you must be wearing shorts. The other thing at Arroyo Seco is... If you've never seen Mumford... Go see Mumford and Sons. I'm aware that makes me sound basic for just wanting to see them. But they are fucking awesome. When I used to be a churchgoer... If you haven't gathered from this podcast yet... Grayson hasn't seen the church front doors in quite some time. But one of the things I never understood at church it would be the people in the airs, Jesus! Woo! Like sometimes you have the one-hander, but then the other times you have the two-handers, Woo! Jesus! But I realized at Mumford, that is what I had become. Sure, it wasn't a worship song per se, but how is that any different than me being at a Mumford & Sons concert, both arms in the air and go... And I will take you home. Or whatever the Mumford and Sons lyrics are. You just do a lot of this. And you'll fit in just fine. People don't necessarily know if you know the words or not. you just go. Do a lot of foot stomping too. But I was doing the same thing. But it was a fucking good time. But the band that played before, him and I'd seen this band once before. I once went to Las Vegas' 100th birthday party. Yeah, they had one of those. And the headliner was the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And the band that opened for him, I guess they were probably a co-headliner, was fucking Weezer. I vowed never to see Weezer again. I understand a lot of people, oh, I love Weezer. I don't get it. I didn't understand it the first time when I saw him when I was 21. I didn't understand it the second time when I saw him when I was 31. Weezer's like the most okayest band. There's nothing. I was just talking about a Mumford like with me being both hands in the air like I'm a super Christian. Like, ah. Are you doing that during Weezer? Ooh wee ooh, I look just like Buddy Holly. Fuck you, I don't want to hear that anymore. Like, what... What enjoyment are you getting out of Weezer? They're like the more acceptable version of Nickelback. That's all they are. They're like the cargo shorts of music. If you can say your favorite band is Weezer, why? No, seriously, why? If you consider Weezer your favorite band, text me and Hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at Grayson underscore Gregory and tell me why. Give me a reason. Prove me wrong, I guess is what I'm asking. Prove me wrong. They're just... They're fine. Like, no one's going to go, that was the best show I've ever seen. They're not going to miss any notes, so you're never going to say, oh, that was an awful show. I I can't imagine any of them get drunk. If they do, it's probably off Rosé. But they're just... Like, basic vanilla. So having that, like... I guess they served well to have Weezer go on before Mumford because then, them just being so Weezer-like, it made Mumford look that much better. But if Weezer's your favorite band, get a new one. Get a new one. But that was two weeks ago. And I told you on the last podcast that I would be going to Texas uh, for 4th of July weekend. And it was also one of my aunts and uncles. Yep, my aunts and uncles' 50th wedding anniversary. I remember going to like, my grandparents' 50th wedding anniversary, both sets. And now I'm going to my aunt and uncles? You get old fucking quick. That <laughs> thought it was just yesterday. I was 21 without responsibilities. And here I am 31. Like, Did, did I just wake up and I was 31? It happens quick. With that side of the family, sometimes there can be some issues. This time, there really wasn't. It was actually quite pleasant. But flying gives me anxiety on its own. Not that I'm scared of crashing a plane or anything like that. I mean, once you're 20,000 feet up, 30,000 feet up, you're going to crash. You're going to crash. That doesn't mean whenever the plane doesn't jolt, my heart doesn't drop. I go, this is it. I'm fucked. I think we all have those moments. But just the process of, flying gives me anxiety i hate being late so i'm always stressing about getting there on time that fucks with me getting there thinking maybe i forgot something uh making sure i have all my shit in my bag thank god you can now get your ticket on your phone because that would always fuck with me too i'd never put it in my backpack i'd always put it in like one pocket so i mean i guess i brought this on myself but i was always just doing like the pat down game trying to find my fucking ticket then going through TSA. You try to be nice. They're going through your shit. You don't want to freak out. But when you let all these adults go through and you're just going through my nieces and nephews coloring books, I want to fucking freak out. But I don't. You try to be nice because you hope that they know what they're doing. If you've read any studies, we know they don't know what they're doing. But they're just... They're government security guards. So that gives me anxiety. Making sure your plane's gonna leave on time. There's always delays. I've slept in more airports than I'd like... Than I could count to. Delayed. Changed flights. It's a pain in the ass. You usually don't have any of those issues in the summer, I guess. It's just more of the winter months when things are snowing. But usually, by the time I sit down... I exhale... I order a double of something, vodka or Jameson, and then all is well. Then I'm fine. But just the moment leading up to me sitting into that seat, I'm slowly just raging on the inside. I try to smile on the outside, but on the inside, I'm losing my fucking mind. I tell you all that to say, I have anxiety when I fly. Imagine adding four three-year-olds into the mix and my parents. My sister and brother-in-law, great parents. They do a great job. They they do a great job of wrangling those kids up. It's actually way easier than you'd expect. But when you're flying with four three-year-olds, it's like a ticking time bomb. You're always just waiting for that moment for one of the kids to just lose their shit. Because I feel the same way when I'm 31. I feel like everyone has to watch out for me to make sure I'm not about to lose my shit. And there are only three, so at least it's understandable with them. I should do a better job. But you just feel like you're walking through a minefield. And the last time we flew out there, everyone got the flu on the trip. So people were throwing up in the plane. So there could be issues. But I came prepared. On my iPhone, I had already downloaded on YouTube Peppa the Pig. That's hot with the kids these days. Like I said, we always watch animal videos together, whether it's like Planet Earth or Nat Geo stuff. So I had some animal stuff on there. Um, I had Thomas the Train. That was another big hit. So we kind of just let the kids bounce around the seats. We all had little aisles. And as soon as one would sit down with me, then I would throw in one of those videos. And they'd be cool. It wasn't that big of a deal. But you get in, or we got into Texas, I don't know, around... I think 10 o'clock at night or so. So it's a process getting off all the luggage, getting off all the car seats or whatever they're called for the children, going and picking up rental cars. And when you land there, we still have, I don't know, it's like an hour, hour and a half drive to um, the house my dad and his sister, my aunt, have now bought for my grandparents after they passed. Long story. So all you want to do I mean, the kids have been traveling all day. They're not taking their naps or anything. So as soon as you get in, you want to just make it a seamless process of basically kick down the door, run them into their little beds and just let them pass out. And me and my brother-in-law end up taking uh, my nephews and we go, forget it. Let's just go shopping real quick. We'll head to Walmart. You guys go ahead and go to the house. So we went to Walmart. (laughs) at like... I think it was like 11.30 at night or so. So you can imagine what a Walmart in a little town like Granbury is like at 11.30 at night. We could have come up with a point game while we were in there, that's for sure. But we just kind of get the essentials. Boys do all right. We take them back to the house and we get there. Whole family's still sitting out front. The girls are running around. It's late. The Gregories are many things. We are a tight family. Um, we're fairly good to each other, but great communicators we're not. So we get there and we're locked out. No key to the door. Someone thought there was a keypad. Just like I said, Gregory's are not great communicators. So of course, degenerate Grayson takes him about two minutes, goes around the house, finally finds a window that's unlocked, crawls in, lets everybody in, crisis averted. Call the cousin that was driving with the spare key and just told Shannon, you can turn back around. Sorry, you drove 20 minutes, but you can turn back around. Grayson broke it. So that's how the trip started for the Gregory's in Texas. Nothing like being locked out at midnight with four three-year-olds. So next time you guys are traveling like with your one kid, or those of you that think your dog is your kid, keep this in mind. Remember this story. But one of the things I do when I'm in Texas is I kind of keep my eyes open for abnormalities, I guess things that you'd only see in Texas or like only in the South that you wouldn't necessarily see in California. And the same can be applied for people that have only grown up in the South or only grown up in a conservative place and then come out to like a place like New York or California. They're probably looking for rainbow flags or gay people holding hands, something super offensive, you know, but like I wanted to see, or not that I wanted to see that. That's the wrong terminology. I was looking for Confederate flags first day going down the lake confederate flag flying away i understand that means different things to some people some people have a different affinity towards it i guess they think it's like a sign of pride of being in the south but even in the history books the confederates were assholes (laughs) Everyone gets mad whenever whatever California talks about seceding from the nation. Like, that's what they did. That's the one thing Texans would get, like, most mad about now. That's the flag they fly. And we saw, like, three houses down. I guess if you just grow up there, you, you still see these certain things. Driving to a golf course one of the, um, on Friday morning, I passed, and I shit you not. This wasn't a side street, main exit. Like how you can exit off of like Catella and Anaheim. You could exit off this white settlement road. Maybe just growing up in the South, they don't see that as a problem. But am I being like a hippie liberal going, oh, you should probably change that. That probably is not going for the right connotation there. If I'm over-exaggerating, if I'm... I'm trying not to be, I don't think I'm being like a social justice warrior on this, but White Settlement Road, as Chris Lee would say, change it. Don't do that. There's a hotel just literally down the road from the lake house. It's called the Plantation Inn. Google it. The Plantation Inn in Granbury, Texas. I don't think I'm being a crazy lefty when I... See that and go, I mean, you should probably change that name. And Maybe it's just a byproduct of me growing up in California my whole life. I mean, granted, I lived in the South, more or less in Florida. That's still part of the South. I've lived in Kentucky for a year. How I lived in Texas for a year, and all my family's from there. So it's not like I've never been there before or anything. But just trying to pay more attention to my surroundings. You got White Settlement Road. You have the plantation in Confederate flags flying. There was a restaurant called the cotton patch. It's like a, I don't know, like a chain place, the cotton patch. Maybe I'm reading too much into this. And I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure when they come out here, they're looking for the same shit and they're just appalled by things that they see. I think everyone in the South is just thinks there's just like gay people and transitional transitional clearly i didn't know where i was going or no i got scared of where i was going with that word you don't want to say the wrong thing but i just think they think there's fuck it they think there's trannies out here they think there's just gay people run amok they think it's all sin so i'm sure they have the same things they're looking for when they head to like a giant metropolitan area or something but i was blown away white settlement road probably not a good name to have Tell me, am I reading too much into it? Am I just being a fucking liberal about it? I try to stay in the middle. I try to be. I try to be like cognizant of like my own upbringing, but white settlement road. Tell me if I'm wrong. And I also told you guys about the tattoo bet that had been made on the Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor fight. Quick recap of that. I took Conor McGregor. My buddy Taylor took Floyd Mayweather. Losing side has to get the winning fighter's portrait tattooed on their body. So I, I'm involved in this fight, you know. I am I have um, a stake in this fight. I'm, I'm very excited about it. And on Tuesday, they're going to have the very first press conference at Staples Center uh, with Conor and Floyd both in attendance. And we're going... I actually got four tickets for free. Now I'd love to lie to you and tell you that it was from my connections from the UFC and they gave me free press conference tickets. Nope. I just hit refresh faster than everybody else. And the tickets were in fact free, but they sold out fairly quickly. But so I was very excited to be able to get four of them. So that's going to be, it's going to be a spectacle. All of you think maybe right now, like, Oh, It's not going to be that big of a deal. Wait until Tuesday and see who's talking about this press conference and what's happened. It's going to be unavoidable. Whether you're watching TMZ or watching Bravo or watching ESPN or watching your local news, this is what's going to be talked about on all of those outlets. I'm so excited for it. It's pathetic. I even went back and rewatched the last four of Connor's fights. I got to tell you what, Taylor, you're fucked. You're fucked. And all but the first versus Conor-Nate Diaz fight. Every time he lands that left on the first time, the dude's stunned. Eddie Alvarez, stunned. He got came back for a little bit, but stunned on the first punch. Nate Diaz, too? He got stunned on the first punch. We all know what happened to Josie Aldo, night-night in 13 seconds. So I was watching all this. I'm starting to gain confidence in what's going to happen. I'm betting my skin on it, for God's sakes. And I understand that that's in MMA. I understand the fights in boxing. I understand they're wearing 10-ounce gloves. I understand they're not wearing the MMA gloves. But the motherfucker hits so goddamn hard. I think it's Rogan, or maybe Conor just says it himself, that when he touches you, you go to sleep. I still think it's about a 10% chance... I don't want to go through life with the Floyd Mayweather tattooed on me. I can't go through life tattooed of Floyd Mayweather on me. Connor, if you hear this, win it for me. Win it for me. Win it for my skin. I can't go through life with Floyd Mayweather tattooed on me. God damn it, Leroy. They didn't have bets like this 20 years ago, right? The predicaments I get myself into, I swear to God. Unless I win. Like I said, I've had two prior tattoo bets. And I've come out the winning side on both of those. So Connor, please. (gasps) My skin, please. But I'm excited to see the war of the words between the two dudes. We know Floyd's 49-0 in boxing. But when it comes to the War of the Words, no one is better than Conor. It's almost like he's scripted. And Floyd Mayweather has some skeletons in his fucking closet. And Connor's not afraid to pull those out. What skeletons, might you ask? Like beating up girlfriends, domestic violence skeletons. Proven. Charged. If Conor brings that up, Floyd might lose his mind. I can't wait to see how the two of them handle being in the same room together. And it's not the only press conference they have this week. I think then they go to Brooklyn, um, to the Barclays Center, and then I think they're going um, to London right after that. And they're doing like three in like a, a week or two week time period. So this is all that any of us are going to be hearing about. Unless you're Amish and live in a hole, then I guess you wouldn't be listening to this podcast now, would you? I'm excited to see them face off. I want to see what the size difference looks like. I want to see, like, for me, this is almost more exciting than the fight itself. I love the build-up to fights. If you happened to watch the fight last night, they had an awesome promo for Bones uh, versus Cormier, and it just gets you excited for it. To me, this is like the fight outside of the fight. So tomorrow, I'm excited to see them match up and square off and see what happens when they get in each other's faces. See how much big, bigger Connor is than Floyd. Uh, see how he reacts to all of this. This is the fight before the fight, and Connor wins this ten times out of ten. Floyd's not going to be able to get in Connor's head. Come on, Connor! <laughs> I don't want a tattoo of Floyd. So I'm going to be extremely obnoxious on Tuesday. Uh, posting all about that, but I'm fucking excited for it. This is the biggest fight of our lifetime. People, get pumped! Um, a week from today, or a week from tomorrow, this is gonna come out on Monday. So a week from tomorrow, we will be having Justin Wren. We I will be having Justin Wren um, on the podcast. Talked about him in episode four. I encourage you to go follow him on Instagram so you can kind of start following the story already. He's at the Big Pygmy. That's T-H-E, the, B-I-G, then P-Y-G-M-Y, the big pygmy. Um, go follow him on Instagram. Let him know you're excited about him coming on the podcast. Go and check it out because they, he's been posting a bunch of awesome videos of late of them building these new makeshift wells and this new technology they're going to be able to take down to the, the people of the Congo to be able to continue to providing these people water and creating a self sustain a self-sustainable plan for them all so they can take it to the other tribes to be able to help them just get access to water <laughs> something i take for granted every day um so go check him out um and then also i haven't nailed down the date but we're gonna still have on um matt from the flow deck so he can come teach all you guys about the benefits of floating way better than I can, because I would just end up butchering the thing and putting in pro science with it. So he can kind of come and tell you guys all about how, He got to where he is, how they went from one float tank up to four, the business side of things, the benefits of floating, and he's just um, a cool dude, so I'm really looking forward to that. So thanks to everybody for checking this out once again. Like I said, next week we're going to have on Justin Wren. so that'll be the first interview of the show. I got to learn a little bit about how to record an interview off Skype, so... Let's not fuck that one up, Grayson. Um, and hopefully this video will be coming out, And assuming that it's still recording. Yep, I did it. Episode five will f- uh, finally have a video on it. Um, so thanks so much. Follow us at Facebook at Prove Me Wrong Pod. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Grayson underscore Gregory. And go and rate and review the podcast, please. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next week with Justin Wren. Peace.